Well, Happy New Year! It is uh, great to have uh, all of you here, whether you're online or uh, whether you're here in person. Great to have you here. And as Miles was just saying, um, uh, starting this uh, new series, uh, Disconnected, and, and really what we want this to be is this, this kind, like, kind of gift for all of us as we think about moving into, excuse me, <coughs> Uh, moving into uh, this uh, new year. And uh, just thinking about it, um, there, there's a great movie that came out years ago, back in um, 2000, that kind of captures uh, what I want to talk about when we think about uh, Disconnected here. Um, <clears throat> and I have a quick question. Is the clock working right here? Just want to make sure. Awesome, thank you. Because, um, <clears throat> you know... We've got hopes that we could start the new year off and that the, and the pastor would actually finish a sermon close to on time, right? <clears throat> we can hope. We can pray. Um, so uh, this movie uh, came out in 2000. It stars uh, Tom Hanks. Um, it was kind of funny. Was, when I first started, I talked to some of the staff and some other people uh, about it this week when I was thinking about using it. <clears throat> and as soon as I mentioned Tom Hanks, I got all these different uh, reactions, like, uh, 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 and, and it kind of tells you like what generation you're in a little bit. Like uh, I had some people just like, oh, he is such a nice young man, great actor, right? And if that's you, you're probably a boomer, right? If you think of it, um, if you're like nice young man, like he's my age, right? Then like me, you're probably an Xer, right? <clears throat> or if you're like Tom Hanks, what's that guy like? Like he was the voice of that guy in in Toy Story then you're like a millennial. And if you're sitting here going, Tom who? Then you're probably a Gen Zer, right? Now, I know there's exceptions uh, to that. We had a number of, of uh, people from different generations that had uh, different reactions to that. Excuse me. <coughs> I've got something in my throat. Um, but uh, he, he starred in a movie in 2000 called Castaway. How many of you have uh, seen that movie? Okay. So when you think about disconnected, right? There's something about that movie that uh, captures this whole idea. You think about uh, what happens to him. He is like this <clears throat> FedEx uh, executive or manager. And he, I think he's like in Moscow. And you know, when you've got to absolutely get it there on time or whatever, you know, and he's trying to get all these packages from Moscow back to the US or something. And so he takes this uh, flight uh, right before Christmas to get back. And of course, uh, the plane goes down. He's the lone survivor. It's hundreds and hundreds of miles off course from where anyone knows where it is. And he ends up on this tropical island, right? Uh, out in the middle of nowhere and no one can find him. And like he is completely disconnected from the rest of the world. But on that island, and I think he's there for like three or four years before he gets off, right? He learns how to fish and he learns like he learns all of this stuff, how to survive and, and make it on his own. He even becomes his own dentist uh, for uh, part of it, which, you know, you're like, oh. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about this uh, movie, uh, working on this message. And, you know, how many times have you ever said to yourself, man, life is so crazy right now. If I could just get away like on an island, right, with, you know, all of the 
fruit I would want and, and seafood and no cell phones. No one could bother me. I could just get all the rest I need, right? Like we think of that like in the most wonderful of ways. But when you watch Castaway, you only cringe. Like you don't go like, oh, so nice. I'm so happy for him, right? You're like, oh, uh, because we feel that sense of disconnection. And, and of course, part of the thrust of, of every day while he is there is how do I get out of this? How do I launch myself off of this island and get back, right? And he keeps uh, trying uh, to, he makes this little raft and he keeps trying to get off the island. And of course, the wind and the waves always blow him back, which I was always like, why don't you try the other side of the island? Maybe that would work a bit better, you know? But... Right? Uh, but then finally, finally the day comes where he learns how to make this sail or something like this. And he's become this expert fisherman and all this stuff. And, and he gets off the island and he kind of self-rescues, right? And he gets back and it is like he has his life back, right? Life is back and it captures this sense of the disconnection he felt. And now he has life and life is back. And as you think about that, and I'm going I'm to share something else about that movie that captures something deeper, but let me just pause for a second, because when we think about life, right, and, and what he experiences when he first gets back, and what we feel for him when he's rescued is that idea of life, and there is this... Um, profound theme that comes out of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, actually out of the first two chapters, that is really important, um, I think, when we think about this coming year, and it's in touch with something we experience, and it's this simple truth that life is a precious gift, right? And we've all heard that. We've all uh, probably even said that life is a precious gift. But there's something else that Genesis walks out that is, that I want to just take just this, a quick moment to acknowledge that becomes important because Genesis adds to this in a couple of ways. One of which is um, you, you see it in even how God makes Adam uh, in the creation story found in Genesis uh, 2. In fact, let me just read it to you uh, quickly. Genesis, if you have your Bibles, you can turn here. Genesis chapter 2. He's getting ready to make Adam. In verse seven, it says this. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. This idea that God breathed his own breath. And the word uh, here in Hebrew for a breath is also the same word for spirit. Like God breathes his own spirit, different than anything else in creation, what he does with humanity here. And it's that, right, he gives humanity life, his life, right? And the thing that you get out of this uh, is life is a precious gift from God, right? Life, it's not just a gift. It is a gift from God. There's something amazing about it. And, and in some ways, uh, we experience different times in life where it, it's hard to get in touch with that sense of life being a precious gift from God. In fact, we think about uh, the year 2020, which we're not in anymore, right? That's a great thing. Um, and uh, yes, I hear that. Um, it, it's, 
it can feel a little bit like a lot of, of the gifts or giftings and the things that, that we would have wanted out of life, it's kind of like they got left on a coat rack back in 2020. It just, we, we missed that. And I've got some concerns and some things that I want to share with you about how we go into 2021, because I want that to be a precious gift uh, for all of us. And the thing that when we think about disconnection going into this next year and why we're doing this series, I want us to think about it maybe in a little bit different way than what we would typically think about it. And it, again, gets captured in this movie, uh, Castaway, because we all readily feel and understand the disconnection that he experienced while he's stranded, right, on that island, right? We get that kind of disconnection. But the movie is even more revealing in how it ends, because there's a different kind of disconnection that it captures at the end that's really good. And and it captures it in one scene, um, if you remember the movie, Uh, He's rescued, he's back, and like FedEx is going to throw him this amazing party, and they do. They invite, you know, uh, all of his friends, and there's family there, and um, FedEx employees that he worked with, and they have this lush spread of food uh, in there. Uh, It's kind of uh, funny, they, you know, the the camera pans uh, all of the food out there, and it's like all of this seafood, right? (laughs) It's like you know, king crab and sushi and, you know, and, um, and he has all of these different interactions with people through this scene and they are like giddy and they're filled with energy and we get that because he was lost, he was stranded, they thought he was gone and here he is, he's rescued, he's back, he's no longer disconnected, he's there and they're just filled with energy and all of this stuff. But the interesting thing that happens through this scene is his demeanor doesn't match their demeanor through the whole scene. That as they go through this thing, there's like this, there's this kind of disconnected letdown that he's experiencing through all of these conversations. And they do a really good job of capturing because it's believable. Even, Even the way he looks at the table of all the seafood, It's like they missed something. And I think what it captures is this kind of truth that he really was experiencing a kind of disconnection, right? It's like he, he found a way to rescue himself off of that island, launched himself off of it, only to stumble into a different kind of disconnection. And the disconnection was this. There was something about that profound experience that he had for those years on that island that never got shared with any of the people at that party. And so you think about it, he went from being this guy that, you know, didn't know how to fish, didn't know how to do hardly anything, to he, he grew and he matured. He became like this, this expert, you know, fisherman and outdoorsman and survivalist. He went through this uh, nerve-wracking time where like he didn't even know if life was worth living anymore. And he struggled through this thing and he found his way uh, through this. And like there's all of this life-changing growth and maturity that he went through but he didn't get to share it with anybody. And now he's back with people, but that experience didn't get shared. And it's like he's still disconnected at some level. 
And that's the disconnection I kind of want to talk about this morning because here's the other amazing truth that comes out of Genesis 1 and 2. Life is a precious gift from God meant to be shared. See, there's this striking moment. God creates humanity. You see it in Genesis 2 creates this amazing lush garden where everything that, that like Adam would want or need is there, but he's alone. And it's like, uh, even with this amazing lush garden with everything he wants, to experience that alone, well, he might as well be abandoned on some desert island all by himself. And there's this poignant moment in Genesis 2 where it says, and this is not good. Because life is a precious gift meant to be shared, right? God gave us this amazing gift, life. But if it's not shared, then somehow there can be this other disconnect. Even if we're around people, if it's not shared at some level, there's a disconnect. And so I wanna make, I, I wanna make an observation, share a concern and share a hope. And then and from that, I wanna, I wanna walk through a, a, some other things in my message uh, here. But let me just start with these, with these three things. First, first observation is this. Um, I see it in myself. I've seen it in so many conversations I've had here in the last week, and it's this. Um, we are pinning a lot of hope on 2021. I mean, we, we are looking forward to 2021 with a mountain of expectation and hope, um, which is good, okay? Like, that's not a bad thing. Um, we need a better year. I want you to have a better year. I bet you want you to have a better year, right? We all want a better year, and that, that's a good thing to hope for. But I think it's important to know that, that we're putting a mountain of weight uh, on it. And here's my concern, is that while we know intellectually that at the strike of midnight, December 31st, a few days ago, that all of the negative difficulties of 2020 didn't magically go away. Like, we know that intellectually. We, we understand we're, we're, there's still struggles and problems in the world right now that we're not yet through. Emotionally, I wonder if most of us are at that place where we've launched out of 2020 and into 2021 and like Tom Hanks, could be really vulnerable to having launched out of one kind of disconnection only to stumble into another kind of disconnection and make our way most of the way through 2021. And even if circumstances get better, could find ourselves still struggling with a kind of disconnection. So here's my hope and why this series, and why this morning, and this message that I wanna talk about, just some simple things. My hope is, is that all of us uh, will be intentional about how we walk out those hopes for 2021 
in a way that actually draws us deeper into experiencing that precious gift of life that's meant to be shared. That you get to, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of how long it takes us uh, as a world, as a country, as a community to, and a church to navigate through all of this, that you, you wouldn't uh, get to the end of this year and feel like a lot of the gifts of this year are still hanging on the coat rack of 2020. And the way I wanna just walk through this morning, and particular, in particular, I wanna talk about this idea of how it needs to be shared. If we, if we don't find a way to share this precious gift of life uh, from God, um, we end up with a weird kind of disconnect. And in the same way that Tom Hanks was around people and could even talk to them, but there was this kind of disconnect that he was experiencing. Um, I, I think uh, in, in, in many ways, Jesus becomes this amazing model for how to engage that. And so I wanna just, uh, I wanna walk through a few basic things that you get to see in the life of Jesus while he was a human being living on this earth that he does, that serves as a model for you and I in how we can share that precious gift of life. So, so I, wanna, I wanna do that. Now, I'll say this. I started off the week with like five things that I'm like, man, these are the five wonderful things that Jesus modeled. We need to go over all these things. And I was just like, okay, there's no way. I got it down to three. And then as the morning started, I was like, there's no way. So I got it down to two. But maybe if I go quick enough, don't, maybe we can get to that third one. We'll, we'll see uh, on, on this thing. But I want to go through these, at least two, the first two for sure. Maybe the third one. Um, so uh, let me start with this before I share them. Just to give a little bit of historical perspective to Jesus's life in the first century. You know, it's important to remember that Jesus lived in a time well, where there were shortages of critical items uh, for life, where, where there were difficulties. And I'll even argue most of those difficulties uh, at, at a base level were more severe than what we're facing uh, today, right? Although there was no run on toilet paper in Jesus's day because they hadn't invented it, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the hospitals never got overloaded because there were no hospitals yet, right? But, uh, but there were famines, uh, taxes were higher, uh, there was greater government corruption, and deeper political uh, polarization amongst uh, all of the people. Like, like, we're not facing anything with those that wasn't uh, more severe in Jesus's day. And yet Jesus found a way to be connected with others, others of a variety of different backgrounds and, and all of these things, and was able to connect with with them in grace and peace and love in a meaningful way. Jesus really is a good model for anyone to look at when it comes to how to live life. And so uh, a couple of things here. How did Jesus share this gift of life uh, that he had while he was a human being here on this earth? So a couple of things uh, that stand out. Uh, the first one is this. And I'm going to give you the lesson that I think we, we can take away from Jesus, and then I'll kind of unpack how we see it with Jesus and, and applicate it. So the first one is this. Um, what you share doesn't have to be extraordinary to be meaningful. Sometimes we think, gosh, to share, you know, this precious gift of life, what I'm going to share with someone else, it's got to be this extraordinary, amazing thing in order for it to be meaningful or be worth sharing. And, you know, um, it, it could be. 
But the reality is there's this side of Jesus that you see where uh, he found a way to share in the mundane things of life where it still had a lot of meaningfulness to it. And on this subject, there's this kind of irony to Jesus's life that, that holds uh, both of these things that I, that I just want to point out this morning because I, I think it breathes life into what it means for you and I. And I want to start on the side uh, that we most often think of uh, with this irony of just who Jesus was. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and we get this picture of, of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 15. This is describing Jesus. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things were created by him and for him. Okay, that's amazing, right? That is extraordinary. Jesus, right? Jesus, and it refers to him, you know, he is the Christ. Like th that, is, that is to say he was there at the creation, involved in the creation. He is the point of the creation. Like, like that is extraordinary. And we think of that picture of Jesus. But here's the irony, right? As Jesus lived in this world and on this planet, as he lived out his 33 years of human life here, there's also another uh, side to this. And, it, and I think it gets captured really well uh, in a moment when he was teaching, uh, maybe for the first time in his own hometown. Uh, flip over to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. Mark, chapter 6. Um, he goes to his own hometown. He's teaching there. And so there's people that would have known him or known of him. And they have the strangest reaction. They're like, who, who is this guy? Like, and they're amazed. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them are amazed by his teaching. And then there's this poignant moment uh, when someone reacts this way. Look at verse 3. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. I'll just read this one part. It says, and this is as of this. Who's this guy who does all this stuff in verse three? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the carpenter? Not the, not the Christ, not the creator of the universe, the guy who flings galaxies into existence by just merely speaking them into existence. Isn't this the carpenter, Right? And the way they say this, it's not like, wow, he was the most amazing car. It's just like, this guy before us, like, I just wouldn't have expected this because he just, he had this very mundane job. In fact, uh, the Greek word for carpenter, that, or the word that gets translated carpenter here is tekton. And uh, it, it's really not referring to what we think of as like a woodworking carpenter. When we think of a carpenter, we think of, you know, the guy in the shop with his wood chisel and he's carving, you know, your, the, the, a rocking chair or something for you. Um, <clears throat> this is more of what you would think of as like a stonemason or a bricklayer. Um, uh, he, he, like most of, of what a tecton would be doing would be... Uh, building roads or stone benches or um, footings or walls for a house, just building things out of stone. That's what he did. And, and I want you to think about this, right? We think about the Christ, the creator of the universe. 
And he comes to this world in the form of a man. 33 years he is here. And it is the vast, overwhelming majority of those years, right? He, he probably started out as a very young age under the, the teaching of, his, of Joseph about how to become a carpenter. You know, he probably spent like 20, 25 years doing the mundane task, building roads, rock walls, benches, helping someone build a foundation for their house or an outside wall or something like that. Just, that's what he did. Probably only three years were in what we think of as ministry. Yet it's through the mundane that Jesus kept pulling his ministry in. So it's, so I think about Jesus being that carpenter and it got me to thinking about some of the things Jesus did in his ministry that actually pulled people into the mundane, that gave him perspective on things. Um, for instance, uh, you think about his, the place where he does the first uh, wedding. And this is, in, and I want you to think how he shares life with people, right? He's getting ready to do this, this miracle change, uh, water into wine. And... And it, it just caught me this week as I was thinking about it. It's kind of puzzling. He asks some servants to fill the jars with water. And I got to think, like, why did he do that? He didn't need to do that. Like, why? Like, they, they did this all the time. They'd go fill jars with water all the time. They, like, if he's powerful enough to turn water into wine, I bet he's powerful enough to turn empty jars into jars of wine, right? He could have done that. And yet, what he does is he engages and asks these servants to do the mundane task of filling these jars with water first. Um, I think about a time when uh, he heals a man who was blind uh, and he uses mud, right? And that's a pretty mundane thing. He uses mud to, and puts it all over this guy's eyes. But then he says to this guy, I, I want you to leave here. I want you to uh, hike off uh, to this uh, pool in the city. It would have been a ways away. And I want you to wash in that pool. And it's like, why make this guy walk on this journey into the city and, and wash in this pool. Like, 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 there were lots of times where Jesus healed someone right on the spot. He didn't need them to, to wash in a pool. He didn't need them to go on a long walk or a hike. And yet in this moment, this very mundane thing of like going on a long walk and washing in a pool, he asks them uh, to do. Or uh, another one that I thought of is it, he has been teaching to this very large crowd and we know He's getting ready to, to do this miracle of like of feeding the 5,000. And uh, it's like lunchtime. And so he says to the disciples, how about you go and count how much bread is out there? I, I, what, like, go, go get a tally of how, how much food we have so, that, so we know, you know what we've got to provide. Do you think, I think Jesus already knew how much bread was out there, right? Like if he can create enough bread for 5,000 people, and right, he, he knew. Why ask the disciples to, you know, you know be the, the waiter or, you know, go out there, okay, so how much, how, how, much, how much bread do you have? Nothing, okay, how much, you know, you got one loaf, okay. Like, it's just, he's got him out there doing this mundane task. Why do this? And, and when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see lots of examples of this. And I find it interesting 
that the creator of the universe would sometimes find something really deeply meaningful in pulling people into the mundane tasks of life, even if it just meant filling jars, taking a bath, or, or checking the pantry, right? That he just, go check how much food's there. Go take a bath. Go, like he just, but then when you start to think about what that does, all of a sudden it's like, wow. He's, he's pulling them into this amazing gift, right? Every one of these stories has this amazing gift that we see easily. But there's something about the mundane that allows it to be shared. And apparently that was really important to Jesus. You have servants who don't just get to watch a miracle happen. They get to be creators and servers of miracle wine. They get to be a part of that. They, they are there handing it out, serving, and they understand what has happened in that moment. I think about that blind man who goes on that long walk. He's blind, right? He's got to have someone that's going to lead him there. When Jesus says, yeah, if you want to be healed, you know, take a long walk, get in that pool and wash all the mud off over there. This man's blind. He's got to have somebody that's going to guide him and lead him there, right? And you think about this. I love the irony of this. Um, at face value, it seems like he's got to recruit someone that will lead him to that pool. But the reality is, what's happening is that man is leading some other people along who will get to be firsthand witnesses to an amazing miracle. That blind man is actually gifting those people that are going to guide him to the pool. He's actually gifting them with the experience of seeing the blind see, right? I, and he does this. I think about the disciples, right? They're in front of this whole huge crowd. And you can just picture the disciples, right? There were these moments where, where compassion or empathy were lost on the disciples, right? You, you see that when uh, Jesus is with the children. They're just like, okay, like, I mean, we got ministry to do. We got things to do. We need to stay on a schedule, right? And you just see Jesus going, yeah, okay. But why don't you go talk with them? Why don't you go ask them questions? Why don't you look straight in the face of someone who's hungry? And the disciples get to experience a moment where it goes from being a crowd to a person, a person who needs Jesus, see? And it was simply using the mundane of life that did something deeply meaningful. And here's why I think this is important in what Jesus models for us. When it comes to experiencing um, uh, life as a precious gift from God, to share it, sometimes it's through the mundane that we get to share that gift. We get to experience it on a deeper level. That's, that is part of the thing that is so important. So my challenge to all of us is in the mundane of life, don't forget, even in the mundane, uh, uh, the gift of life from God, it can be there. 
And to find ways to share it becomes important. So as you think about some of the mundane activities of your life, what, like what's the beauty in it? What's the part that you can share? How, how can you engage in this? Um, and it can be simple things. Like uh, my wife did this uh, just this week, you know, uh, it, it was either yesterday or the day before uh, we went to pick up our groceries because now there is this amazing thing in our world now, grocery pickup. Yeah, like, like that, that didn't used to be a thing. Jesus, Jesus didn't have grocery pickup. There were no grocery stores, let alone grocery pickup. Like how nice in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, we have grocery pickup, right? You don't even have to go in the grocery store if you don't want to, right? So, uh, and my wife loves this, right? And so we go to grocery pickup and we're sitting in our car. It is so, we don't even have to get out of our car to go open up the back of the car, right? They'll open up the back of the car for you, right? And, um, and so the guy comes and brings our groceries and a mundane task. But for my wife, like she doesn't want to go in the grocery store. She doesn't. And for her, like she felt the blessing of this, but it was an opportunity for her to pass that blessing on to the guy who was working the job, bringing groceries out. And just her words were just, you know, thank you so much. And he goes, oh, it's my job. He goes, I know, but you know what? Thank you so much. Like, that just means a lot. And I know, like, and just, and just, and you could see this guy, like, just stand up a little bit more and just like, well, thank you. And just, and just, the gift that she was experiencing and that I was experiencing, like she just shared that in that moment and pulled that guy into it, that, that he felt like he was a blessing. And we can do things like that, even in the most mundane of things, right? You can do this uh, in a number of different ways. And maybe it's something you experience uh, in your family. Uh, my son uh, just recently finished watching the King or the Queen's Gambit. Any of y'all see this show? It's about chess. Okay, a bunch of yeah. He and he used to play chess when he was younger. He watched this show and he's like, I'm all back into chess now, right? Um, and he is so my son, right? He couldn't just go. I think I'm going to go out and buy a chess set so I can play chess with my friends. No, he's got to make one. He's got to go build the chess board and all the chess pieces. So over his Christmas break from college, he came back and we were making a whole chess set out of wood, carving it and doing all this stuff, you know, hours and hours and hours. And I'm like, Chandler, this is going to take forever and going through all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm standing in the garage and I've done this a bunch. And I'm realizing like, this is so cool. I'm in the garage for hours and hours with my son, right? And, and, if, and if you know my son, like the idea, if I would have like a year ago said, you know, Chandler, why don't you come out in the garage and just work with me out in the garage? And he'd be like, like with tools? Where it'd be hot and cold? Like no computers? Just, yeah, we'll just do work out in the garage. And he's the one asking me to go in the garage, right? There's this great moment. He goes, so dad, who's going to get all these tools someday? <laughs> like, you want my tools now? Like, I mean, before it'd be like the tools. Who cares about that? You know, I'm, I'm going to get a job on a computer in an office. I, you know, and, and all of a sudden, just like, and there's just humor and there's a blessing. It's just, and there's things like that in the ordinary of life. And all of a sudden, it's just like, God, you just like brought my son and I together in a new way. And maybe it was mundane, but it was, but it was like such a gift. Like uh, parents, like there's opportunities for you. Like in this time, maybe, maybe play some video games. And you're just like, I'm not a video game kind of person. You're like, yeah, but your kids are. Go play that video game. Get like, get into it. Like you just, like there's a chance to do this. Um, cook a meal together. There are all of these mundane things 
that in reality, they can actually become opportunities to share with other people, to share where you are, to share in an activity where you get to know each other in a different way. And that's the beauty of this. So be thinking about what are those mundane things um, that, that you're actually uh, could do that would connect you to someone else. Maybe there's someone uh, and you're just like, because of health concerns with you or with them, like it's not practical for like you to go out to dinner or lunch or something. Maybe there's someone that you used to do that a lot with. Um, make a meal and drop it off at their doorstep. Just share it with them. Like, like you could do that. Just in the mundane things of life, there are all of these gifts that don't have to stay on the coat rack of 2020. And Jesus modeled that for us. In the mundane of life, he kept pulling people in and they would end up pulling other people in and you can do the same thing. Now, um, second point, second point uh, here. Uh, is, is, is simply this. Let someone be something significant to you. And the point with this one is oftentimes when we think of like making it through hard times or difficult times like this, right? You know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it, you know? Uh, we so honor the rugged individualist in our culture that sometimes we don't make room for being vulnerable or open with others. Um, and uh, so just a moment of confession on my part. I like, I'm one of those people. I don't I like, I like, I, I, I'm not saying this is like a good thing or a healthy thing, but I'll go too far in wanting to be completely independent and not uh, needing or depending on anybody else. In fact, in my garage that we were talking about earlier, I have a, a couple of portraits. One is uh, on a piece of tin and it is a picture of John Wayne. Yeah, right? The perfect rugged individualist. And this, yes, yeah, you gotta love John Wayne. And if you're going, John who? Okay, you're probably a Gen Zer, but I, you know, maybe even a millennial. Um, but uh, the other one I have uh, is a framed picture that I got as a white elephant gift years and years ago at a staff Christmas party that, I, that still hangs in my garage. And it's Clint Eastwood from The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, right? And it's just like, and I realized, you know, those aren't shining icons of vulnerability and shared community, right? They're just like, and not then, you know, and I'm not taking them down yet either, okay? But could Glenn Bartow afford to be a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more open yeah, and maybe, maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, but you know, there's something beautiful about Jesus, who again is the creator of the universe, and if there's anyone who legitimately could say, I don't need anybody else, it'd be Jesus. But friends, that's not how he lived his life. I won't take the time to go into the passage. You can read it in Matthew chapter 16, but there's this great moment. He's been teaching uh, again to these crowds, this uh, kind of this whole mixed uh, review of what people would think. And he asked his disciples kind of an intellectual uh, question uh, that isn't super vulnerable. And when he says, okay, who do people say I am? Well, like, what, what, what's the scuttlebutt out there? What, what, what are people saying? Oh, Elijah, and, you know, um, uh, John the Baptist and all this, you know, all these different answers. And then comes, and, and you should, read this because there is something profoundly vulnerable in how he asks this, right? That's what all the people out there say. But those of you who have been with me, who have followed me, who have seen me suffer, 
who've been there in the points of celebrating? This is really a vulnerable question. Who do you say I am? Right? Because if they don't know him, man, that's not a great moment. That's a vulnerable moment. Do you, like, do you know me? And there's this beautiful point where Jesus says, yeah, I know you. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. When he says Christ, remember, he's saying, I see you as a man here, but Jesus, you're also the Christ. I, you were there at the creation, right? Colossians hadn't been written yet, but it's like he knows he's the Christ of Colossians. And then Jesus asks him to do something. I want you, and, he, and not just Peter, but his disciples and even you and me, and that is to build his church, to nurture his church. You know, he didn't have to do that. He could have found a plan by which he wouldn't be dependent on our loyalty, on our wisdom, and our work to keep moving the church forward through century after century after century. But he did. I need you. Will you do this? And so I, I point this point out because maybe as you step into this next year, one way you share life as that precious gift is through the vulnerability to let someone else bless you. And maybe you have to ask for it. Maybe there's a moment where you need to say, hey, can we talk? Hey, I'm feeling alone. Hey, I like... Could we drop meals off at each other's doorstep sometime? Could we, whatever it is. Because maybe too often the rugged individualist is like someone who has all the power to rescue themselves off of a desert island, but can be in a crowd of people in suffering in silence with a sense of disconnection, a different kind of disconnection. And I don't want us putting the weight of the world on 2021 and accidentally stumble into this year, leaving some of the most beautiful, wonderful gifts of life on the coat rack of 2020. I want us to be intentional about sharing that gift of life that we have with one another because it's when we share it with one another that it really becomes a special kind of, of gift in this. And let me, I'm gonna just mention this last point because we are out of time and I'm not gonna teach through it, but I wanna just mention this to you. And it's this, um, you don't have to be all things to all people, but be something significant to someone. And by that, as you've heard me talk about the mundane and being vulnerable, you don't have to be that for everyone. You don't have to be that for everyone in your church. You don't have to be that for everyone in your family. Jesus didn't, uh, he didn't heal everyone who was sick. He didn't feed everyone who was hungry. But he made a point of doing something significant for someone. And, and it's through that that it adds up into something significant. And so don't put the wrong burden on yourself in this coming year to try and be all things to everyone. But be something significant in sharing the gift of life that God has given you with someone else. And you might find that it blesses you with a deeper, richer kind of, 
of gift of life in your own life. Um, I'm gonna close this in prayer. And so those of you online, so good to have you uh, joining us here. And those here, I hope, um, I hope for all of us, those here, those online, that this year becomes a year where you truly experience life as a gift from God. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we, uh, we just thank you so much for breathing life into every human being and the gift of uh, who you are. And we pray that you would lead and guide us uh, by the model of your son, Jesus Christ, in this coming year, that we might experience and live out that beautiful, beautiful gift. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Have a great morning.